The preseason all Pac-12 teams have been released. Which Sun Devils made the list? We'll talk about that in just a moment on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Our Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. As always, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you'd like to check us out in a visual platform. But wherever you do get those podcasts, make sure that you hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content. Speaking of content, if you guys are interested in reading about the Sun Devils every single day, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to the All Sun Devils Twitter page at All Sun Devils as I am posting content on there daily and keeping you in the loop for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. With all that in mind, you have no reason to not be in the loop. So let's go ahead and hop into today's conversation, which is Arizona State has five players make the all Pac-12 team preseason lists. Those five players, in order, from first team to second team to honorable mention. The only first team selection we had was DJ Taylor. He's going to be the primary return man for Arizona State. Second team, we had two players make the list. Uh, offensive lineman Ladarius Henderson and linebacker Merlin Robertson. And then there were two honorable mentions as well in the forms of linebacker Connor Soley and running back Zazavian Valade. Now, I don't think any of these names are overly surprising, and we're going to kind of go in the detail on these five guys before closing out the podcast with some guys I'm going to throw out there as players to potentially watch as well for these for these all Pac-12 teams. But looking at the first guy here, DJ Taylor, I think everybody is aware of how explosive Taylor can be. He was an absolute monster in 2020 when he had his few opportunities. Remember, he had that 100-yard kickoff return against U of A. This is a guy who can break the big one. He's got game-breaking speed. The problem and what held him back last year was some poor decision-making where he was taking the ball, you know, seven, eight yards deep in the end zone and getting out to maybe the 20-yard line and pinning Arizona State back in their t- in their own territory and setting up the team with with field position that is, you know, very very much not ideal for the team to be rolling with. But when he is making good decisions, he is a star. The dude has that it factor. He can be very good. The other issue though, and this is a little more you know, may, maybe maybe a little tougher to coach up especially because in spring practice, you heard that this was still an issue was the fumbling. Now, Taylor was very prone to putting the ball on the ground last year. I don't have official statistics on it, but I guess he had at least two. This is a guy who as talented as he is, was lacking, you know, elite decision-making and unfortunately was not being a careful ball carrier. And when you match those two together, you come to the conclusion of a very frustrating player where you're just not sure what to do with him as much as you want to, you know, be, be really happy 
and really excited about all this potential that you have stacked up here. It's really hard to feel that way when you constantly have a guy who feels more like a liability than he does feel like a weapon. But if he cleans all that up, I mean, that that's what he is. He's a weapon. This is a guy who can absolutely make that game-changing play. Any opportunity, he can house it. He is a very, very talented individual. I have a feeling that Arizona State's going to want to be creative with him this year, and they want to use him on kick returns especially. Maybe we see him out there on punt returns. Maybe we see him out there for offensive plays. If they want to do end arounds, if they want to get cute with him and use that kind of speed and overall playmaking ability to their advantage. But at the same time, I could also see Arizona State kind of getting away from DJ Taylor and maybe not trusting him as much. But early in the season, you got you have to. You got to see what's there. You got to hope that he rebounds from what was a disappointing 2021 season. And if he is able to do that, then you, like I said, for like the hundredth time, you have a game breaker. This is a game-changing kind of player because it feels like anytime he's got the ball in his hands, he might be able to make something happen. If he is that, then yes. I feel like he definitely feels like a first-team all-Pac-12 guy. Quite frankly, I'm not really sure what else is in the Pac-12 in terms of return men. I'm sure there's a guy on Oregon. On the second team, they list Gary Bryant Jr. from USC as one of those guys. I am just not totally sure if there is a lot of competition, both at Arizona State and in the Pac-12 as a whole, but Taylor makes the first team. Looking at the second team, guys, now, you have, excuse me, you have Ladarius Henderson and Merlin Robertson. Neither of these guys are overly surprising to be included on these lists. Ladarius Henderson, definitely the, the guy I would have bet the most money on to have made one of these lists. Of all the five guys who did make it, or uh, the three guys who made it and the two honorable mentions, I would have placed the heaviest wager that Ladarius Henderson was going to be one of those guys. He is. He's just on the second team. He's going to be your starting offensive guard, more than likely, who could even be kicked out the tackle. I think he's a very versatile chess piece for your offensive line. He's absolutely the best lineman that you have returning this year, and he has the potential to be better than what Kellen Deesh and Donovan West were last year, and both of those, while undrafted, are on NFL rosters right now. And I think Ladarius Henderson is absolutely a rosterable kind of player for an NFL team. Looking at what he's going to do for Arizona State, he's going to be the most important piece. He is the key cog there. Yes, I really like Ben Scott, but there's a lot of uncertainty everywhere else on the offensive line. You lose Deesh, you lose Donovan West, two starters. You lose a couple other guys in uh, in the transfer portal. Forgive me, I don't have their names right in front of me. There's not a lot of consistency and continuity on this offensive line, but Ladarius Henderson is that. I think that's really, really important when you're looking at you know who who you're going to value for these spots. And because of all of his experience, I do think that there's absolutely a place here for Ladarius Henderson on this list. I would have thought he could have been a first team, but granted, this is a a pretty good conference with a lot of really talented guys. Uh, Jackson Kirkland definitely being the guy who stands out the most returning to Washington after a season-ending injury a year ago. Andrew Voorhees is an absolute monster at USC, and he's got the last name that absolutely proves that he is a nightmare on the field and just, you know, 
take you behind the woodshed and beat you for a little while. Oregon's got a couple guys, TJ Bass and Alex Forsyth listed ahead of Henderson and Braden Daniels over at Utah. If I know anything about Utah, I know that they have absolute trench warriors everywhere. I imagine that's absolutely take the case with Braden, with Braden Daniels. Alex Forsyth and TJ Bass, that's not a surprise. Oregon has had very good offensive linemen for a very long time now. Definitely not a surprise to see them get listed there. Ladarius Henderson listed on second team as well with Joshua Gray from Oregon State. Brent Nealon from USC. Sata- Satawa, I think is how you pronounce his name. And I'm very sorry if I if I mispronounce that. Lumea. Again, I, I feel like I, I definitely butchered that. My apologies. Uh, from Utah. And Brandon Kipper from Oregon State round out the second team offensive line. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and hop into our first break here. When we return, we're going to go over Merlin Robertson, Kyle Sully, and Zazavian Valadez, respective placements on these all Pac-12 watch lists. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events in the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Find news and reviews of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening right now. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you guys so much for making the Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. Remember, we are always free and available on all platforms. Looking at the next guys on our list now. Merlin Robertson is the final Arizona State Sun Devil to get mentioned on the first or second team. He is mentioned on the second team linebacker list. Again, this, this was another guy who I definitely would have expected to have been on one of the lists. He would have been the second guy after Ladarius Henderson for me. Uh, surprisingly, neither of them were first team, maybe not surprisingly, but overall this, this is an absolutely worthy inclusion. Merlin Robertson has been in the epitome of consistency for Arizona state in the four years that he's played for the program. He's going to continue being that he's going to be more relied upon than he ever has been before too, because Darian Butler is gone. Eric Gentry is gone. DJ, uh, Davidson is gone. Tyler Johnson is gone. Jermaine Lole is gone. A lot of the most important pieces from your front seven have disappeared. It really is going to be the Merlin Robertson show as Batman and Kyle Sully as his Robin as they try to navigate and direct this defense moving forward. Robertson is a stud, certified. I don't know if he's first round, right? I don't, I don't know if he's NFL starter or NFL caliber. But when you're looking at what he does on the field for you, for Arizona State, for college status, he is a good player. He reminds me a lot of like what Carl Bradford was like probably 10 years ago at this point, which is pretty depressing. I think it was like 2014 draft. So it's been a minute though. But Carl Bradford was another guy who, sure, he never lived up to the expectations that he kind of placed on himself, but he was still a very good football player for Arizona State and somebody who was consistently reliable. I feel like that's the same thing here for Merlin Robertson, but maybe even more so. Robertson is a very talented, very smart, and a overall great athlete for Arizona State. 
I feel like he's definitely in a situation where he is going to pretty much have to sink or swim. But thankfully, the floor is very high here. And Robertson is still a very good player who I expect to nonetheless compete for Arizona State. And, and excuse me, compete for the all Pac-12 teams. I don't know about first team, definitely second team, guaranteed third team in a worst case scenario. The guy that ahead of him, not a total surprise. Noah Sewell from Oregon, arguably one of the top three linebackers in the country. This dude knows football. He just flies around the field. He's so smart, instinctive, blows up plays. He looks like a like a future first round pick. Uh, Omar Spites from Oregon State. He was a guy who gave us fits last year when we went up to Corvallis to play the Ducks, or not the Ducks, the Beavers. And Jackson Sermon, linebacker from Cal. Cal has actually put together some good defenses over the last few years. And Jackson Sermon is just another one of those guys who is the example that they have set there. Uh, on the second team is Merlin Robertson, of course. Uh, Justin Flo from Oregon. That would be Noah Sewell's partner in crime. And Darius Masua. I feel like I mispronounced that as well. If I mispronounce your names, I'm very, very sorry. Uh, from UCLA. So Robertson, definitely happy to see that he was an inclusion on these lists. Looking at the honorable mentions now, you have Zazavian Valade at running back. It's not a surprise that he's not listed here because there are some very talented running backs in the Pac-12 right now. You have Zach Charbonnet, who looks like an NFL player. You have Tavian Thomas from Utah, who looks like an NFL player. You have Travis Dye from USC, who looks like an NFL player. And you have Byron Cardwell, who looks like an NFL player for Oregon. So they're between the, the first team and the second team with two running backs each that I listed in order. Those are all guys that I would definitely take ahead of Valade heading into the season. But it is nice to see that Valade is, you know, getting an eye kept on him. Because remember, he is a two-time thousand-yard rusher. Would have been a three-time if he had gotten to play the entirety of 2020 that was shortened because of COVID. Ridiculously talented guy. Very good with the ball in his hands. He's a good receiver. He's someone you can rely upon. Definitely love his inclusion here. Uh, Kyle Sully, the other guy, the final guy here that's listed for Arizona State. Also not a surprise to see him on here. Dude is definitely a stat box or a box score stuffer. Flies around the field, uh, making tackles. Pretty smart, pretty instinctive guy. Again, I don't know if he's like NFL caliber, but he certainly is somebody that we're going to keep an eye on. As well as him, there are a slew of guys on here whose names I would absolutely butcher. But point being is they're going to be monitoring Kyle Sully as well as several other guys going into this year. And I think it's rightfully justified because Sully is a guy who can put up big-time numbers. It wouldn't be a surprise if he led Arizona State in tackles again. Last year, he was in that 70 to 80 range. He could flirt with that again this year. He could maybe even do a little more than that. Because again, Darian Butler and Eric Gentry are gone. It truly is Merlin Robertson as Batman and Kyle Solius as Robin. And that is a compliment. That That is absolutely in no way, shape, or form saying that Sully is behind Robertson, like a mile behind. Robertson's definitely the captain of this defense, but Sully is also an integral and very important part as well. And I think that because of that, you could definitely see Sully put up some surprisingly good numbers depending on what your expectations are for him. But I do like Sully this year, 
as a box score guy. I want him to prove me wrong because I felt more frustrated watching him last year than I did blown away. But, you know, I'm always here to be proven wrong. And I would love nothing more than for Kyle Soley to end up being that guy for me. So overall, that's just my final thoughts here. And yeah, pretty much that. Let's go ahead and hop into our final break. When we return, we are going to go over the final players that I think should be monitored for Arizona State as we get ready to kick off the season here in just a few short weeks. We'll be right back. This is the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. As always, make sure that you guys are tuned in to the Locked on Pac-12 podcast as well. Everything you need to know about the Pac-12 in 30 minutes or less, hosted by my good friend Spencer McLaughlin. Just like the Locked on Sun Levels, it's free and available on all platforms. So make sure that you're tuned in because that is the podcast. It's, you know, make it your second listen right after Locked on Sun Levels. Here are a handful of guys that I think should be monitored. And I'm going to kind of rapid fire through them. I picked out seven names. Three offense, three defense, one special team. The special team is probably pretty obvious if you've listened to this podcast before. Offensively, look, the Pac-12 has a lot of good quarterbacks. You have Caleb Williams, who could be a Heisman candidate for USC. Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA, also uber-talented. Cameron Rising over with the Utah Utes. Dude is an absolutely certified stud. Very excited about him moving forward. You have, as not a big a fan as I am, you do have Bo Nix at Oregon, who could prove to be a very, very quality guy for them as well. Over down south with U of A, you have Jaden Delora has transferred from Washington State, and they are they're very excited about him. They think that he could prove to be a very, very good player for them. And I mean, in fairness, this was a guy who tore up Arizona State last year when he was playing for the Cougars. So if he is able to maintain that success down in U of A, they've got a good quarterback too. Speaking of Wazoo, I mean, they got Cameron Ward transferring in from Ole Miss. So that's another really good pickup. Just between those those schools, I named, what was that? Five, like five or six quarterbacks. I think I named six quarterbacks, which puts Emory Jones pretty far behind the eight ball. But I am going to mention him because he can be a guy who racks up rushing yards. And if he's smart, he could get in the end zone a lot too. Not just, not just running, but through the air. It's just all going to depend on how this offense shakes out. But I do think Emory is a guy that needs to be monitored. I'm not saying that, he's going to end up being the first team all pac 12 quarterback. I would certainly be surprised if that was the case, but I think it's someone you should monitor just for what it's worth running backs. I'm going to throw Daniel Nagata out there too, because it wouldn't be a surprise if Nagata had himself a big role for the sun levels or heck maybe even is the starter for the team. Maybe he's a thousand yard runner for the team, depending on the role he has. He's someone that I feel you, you need to really keep an eye on as well back there. Wide receiver, everyone knows how much I love Cam Johnson. Very, very biased because I got to talk to him. But I think Cam Johnson's another guy that you need to monitor for the all Pac-12 selections. He is likely the number one receiver. He could see a lot of work. He could see a Ricky Pearsall role where he's in that 
mid to high 40 range in receptions, close to 600 yards, handful of touchdowns. Wouldn't be a surprise. I wouldn't be surprised if he even topped those numbers. Could definitely have career high numbers across the board compared to what he was doing at Vanderbilt. This is the best quarterback he's played with. It's the best offense he's been in. I definitely am all in on Cam Johnson. A couple guys that I'm just going to throw out there, not necessarily on my list. I'm interested with Jalen Conyers at tight end and Messiah Swinson, depending on who gets to start there. Uh, offensive line, I think Ben Scott could be a guy that you pay attention to as well. Flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball, I threw down three guys. BJ Green was the first person who came to mind. Paced the Sun Devils in sacks last year with five and a half. Definitely really started to come into his own by the end of the year. I think he can he can really, really blossom in year two and become a very consistent, very dominant, and maybe even a game-changing kind of pass rusher for Arizona State. Obviously, everyone knows I'm going to throw Corey Bethley out there because I'm going to scream his name from the rooftops until everyone knows who he is. Corey Bethley is a ball player. He flies around the field. I know I've said that a handful of times about a lot of guys, but no one is more true about that than Corey Bethley. And he was a ball hawk. Had five interceptions last year, 99 tackles, knows his way to the football. Dude, dude is just like good, good. I have a feeling he's going to translate very, very well at the next level. Go, going from smaller to power five is what I mean. And then Nesta Jade Silvera was another guy I threw in there playing nose tackle for Arizona State. He could have himself like a like a DJ Davidson kind of season where he's just this, this gap stuffer and a big clog on the defensive line that you just can't find a way to run around. I think that Silvera, Jade Silvera definitely has that upside to be that true A-gap kind of kind of defender for Arizona State. And if he is, then that's going to make life a heck of a lot easier for Kyle Sully and Merlin Robertson and boost their numbers as well. You know, these linebackers absolutely love when they have a big dude in front of them that's opening up lanes. I'm thinking that Silver Jade Silvera could definitely end up being that guy for the team. Other guys I'll just throw in there again, not necessarily on my list here. Uh, Omar Norman Lott, someone I really like. I think he could be a stud. Connor Soley just depends on what his role ends up being for the team. And then uh, a handful of guys in the secondary. You know, I, I like Roe Torrance. I think that he, I've talked about him before as a big outside presence and somebody who could definitely surprise and end up getting getting a lot of starting time because he is so different compared to what you have in the rest of the secondary. You know, I'm also excited for um, Edmonds. Chris, no. Oh, my God. I can't think of his name. Edmonds, the safety. That's going to bug me. I'm going to have to look that up right now as I am recording this podcast. But you have you have a couple of game-breaking safeties that are able to create plays. It is Chris Edmonds. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Yeah, it is Chris Edmonds. Edmonds is also a ball hawk for for his position, as big as he is. He's a six foot three, almost like a linebacker playing safety. But he he reeled in like four or five interceptions last year for uh, Samford. I think that who knows, maybe that translates as well. And you have two ball hawking safeties playing back there next to Bethley. Final guy I want to mention on special teams. Like I said, if you listen to this podcast, you know who it's going to be. Eddie Zablicki. I really think that Zablicki is like a very underrated punter. He's a guy who can flip the field. I think it's just the best is yet to come from him. 
Arizona State has seen a lot of really good special teamers come through their program just in the last 10 years. I think that Zablicki could definitely put his name up there with a guy like Matt Hawk. I think that this, this is a very, very, very good punter, and I'm very excited to see him really get a chance this year. And who knows? We might see him a lot. We might see him punting the ball a lot, depending on how this offense wants to shake out. But that is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Locked on Sunnivals podcast. So again, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. As always, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you would like to check us out in a visual platform, wherever you do get those podcasts, though, make sure they hit like and subscribe. Turn on those notifications so you get an update every single time we post new content. As far as new content goes, you guys can also stay in touch with all my work from allsundevils.com, powered by Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated. Make sure that you are staying in the loop with everything by subscribing to the podcast and following All Sun Devils. You can find all three of those, including myself, on Twitter, myself at RichieBrads36, the podcast at LO underscore Sun Devils, and All Sun Devils at All Sun Devils. But that wraps it up here for us at the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. So until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.